Religion is a one-way track. What do I have to do to perform to get your acceptance? A relationship, the kingdom, is a two-way street where we're both functioning together. That's why the Lord sent us the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus went, the Holy Spirit came, and is helping us even right now to live out our destiny, not just to get our fire insurance, to get out of here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Summit Up, brought to you by The Summit Dover. If religion is giving you more questions and answers, you're in the right place. So sit back and open your mind with us. I'm Kyle Schweitzer, and I'm here with Josh Shaw, Skylar Hallman, and the man with the answers, Pastor Rob Coburn. How's everybody doing tonight? It is a great evening. Yep, feels good to be here, guys. This is another night episode. What is up with that? We're kind of getting in the groove of these night episodes. <laughs> I know I said I wasn't very good at night, but... I don't know, guys. Something's happening <laughs> to <change>. me. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Well, hey, a couple of kingdom keys we're going to hit on tonight. I, I am so excited about some of these, but we must, the first one, we must view salvation as understanding what we are saved to, not just what we're saved from. I think that that can be a hang up for a lot of people. Uh, number two, every believer must journey to find their identity. We've talked about identity and destiny and all of that. So uh, that's going to be a great number two. And then I believe we're going to get to it, but we must understand adoption and its significance to our identity in the kingdom. Some fun stuff tonight. Awesome. Action-packed episode. Love it. (laughs) Skylar, how are you doing tonight over there, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Feels good. I mean, now that I'm off work, feels good to kind of kick back, (laughs) relax, and have some fun. (laughs) How do you like doing this podcast with us? Oh, it's been a blast. Good. We love having you on here. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, guys. So uh, why don't we get into this first uh, kingdom key? So uh, we talked about we must view salvation as understanding what we are saved to, not just what we are saved from. So what 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 do you believe salvation actually means? It, can we figure that out? What is what does Webster tell us? Salvation. Yeah, I was say we can talk about that, or we could just look it up. There you go. Uh, there straight you go. up from Webster. So I pulled up the definition definition here of saved. Uh, the religion definition is delivered from sin and from spiritual death. Death rescued from eternal punishment. And I have, I brought up salvation. So it says a deliverance from sin and its consequences, uh, believed by Christians and brought out by faith in Christ. So the, the word from is, uh, seems to be a bit of a, a, a theme here. Right, but I didn't hear the word to. No, no Nowhere in there does it say save to anything. It's, it's all about being saved from things. Right, and we have to understand that in the kingdom, we are saved from things from sin and all that stuff that was defined. But I believe we're actually saved to something. We're saved to a destiny that was laid out before the foundation of the world. So that's that's the thing that we sort of religion uh, always puts things in a box and the kingdom always flips the box upside down. And we have to look at it from a different perspective. And that could be like the now what? You know, okay, so, all right, I, I have accepted Christ. Let's say I've got to that point and I, I received this salvation. and And then what? So I think that's a point where we don't talk about a lot. We don't talk about what we're saved to now. We don't talk about now what, what's, what's the next steps. You know, I believe if, if you're a convert, I mean, a convert is great. You know, converting people uh, is great. I think that's an awesome thing. But uh, how do we empower 
uh, that decision now. And I don't know if that's a, a focus, and I think that is an important kingdom key because we have to focus on the to and not the from. That, I, I, that is a very good point because my whole life I've always been told at you know different church services, wherever, uh, say the prayer, right? And then I'd say the prayer, and then it was exactly what you just said, Kyle. It was, okay, now what? Now what? What's mm-hmm. next? What's the plan? Yeah, you go out, you go home, you go about life, and it all just... Uh, you need it all to say d- the prayer again next week. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then exactly. years later, someone says, well, let's say the prayer. I'm like, well, I did it before, but... But did I didn't I, feel did a I change. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't, didn't feel, feel a change. Nothing I happened. Didn't, exactly, nothing right. happened. Here's half the picture. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Because you said that before the show, that being saved from these things, that's only half half of the story there. Right, and for us to get that and understand that I believe that a lot of the church does that we're saved from sin. We're saved from hell. We're saved from this stuff, but okay. So what does that mean? How do I live my life now? Like I still have a life here on earth. I don't just go to heaven the minute I accept Mm -hmm. Jesus. But, but that's what the religious mind, the religious spirit wants you to think that you've received Christ. I've got my ticket stamped for heaven. I'm coming to the pearly gates. I've got it all figured out. And then what do you do on the earth? You're stagnant because there is no other side of the picture painted for you. And so people get stuck. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to happen. Get stuck. And it's, it's about a relationship. And if we know anything, the four of us sitting at the table, if we know anything about a relationship, it has to go two ways. And so, so religion, religion is a one-way track. What do I have to do to perform to get your acceptance? A relationship, the kingdom is a two-way street where we're both functioning together. That's why the Lord sent us the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus went, and uh, they couldn't both be here at the same time, so Jesus went, the Holy Spirit came, and is helping us even right now to live out our destiny, not just to get our fire insurance to get out of to get out of here. And I think that if we if we boil everything down to just the the receiving of salvation to be saved from something then we're definitely missing the impact because we're called to bring, we're called to live from heaven, bring heaven to earth, uh, not to just expect to go there one day. Well, in, in the actual message that we're referencing here, I think, Rob, you said something that was pretty strong, and that is there are a lot of things that God can't do because so many people don't know who they are yet. I mean, there, there's so much more yet to do to do and uh, can you elaborate on that well in the in the thousands of years since uh since jesus was on the planet and commissioned the church we can read in acts 2 and see the power that they had that is what i believe that early church is what we should be seeing today the power the uh the miracles the signs wonders all that stuff should be what we're seeing today and it's because they met the man they had a relationship with god and they had a commission or a divine thing they were going to, a destiny that they were headed to, which was to win everybody on the planet and equip them to do signs, wonders, and miracles. It wasn't to equip them to be soul winners. They wanted everybody that they touched that got healed to go heal somebody else. Absolutely. And I think a, a big thing with that is people today will say, oh, well, that was thousands of years ago. Like that that ended back then. But in Hebrews 13, uh, verse 8, we see that it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he doesn't change. So why should the church change? He gave us that commission. He gave us that identity as a church. So 
why would our identity change if Jesus never changed? Because it's so much easier not to be held to that standard, Skyler. That's the key. Right. You know, but to, to prove that, that that is what happened Sunday, so we're months after this sermon, but Sunday, uh, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about a woman who had an issue with her hip. We got out of service. I prayed for her. We got out of service, received the phone call that through the live stream, she was healed and was able to not have to go back to the doctor this week, followed up with her. She's perfectly normal back to where she was before this incident. So it does happen today. Absolutely. So when you're, you're going about uh, each, each day, we look at the past. We know that, that Christ empowered uh, the, the disciples to, when he left, that that's what they were to do. They, they knew their identity. They knew their calling. And there was, I mean, salvation was, I mean, the concept of salvation was different. Uh, back then, because I think salvation was like a few. I'm safe. It's like uh, now I'm now I'm driven. Like now I've I've got purpose now. You know now I've I've get to go to do the two. You know. Um, so it's a lifestyle. Yeah, I believe it's a it, it is your life. I believe when you encounter somebody, Rob, you were listening to the uh, the the word of knowledge and the spirit as you were preaching, and you were in, and you were tuned in, and you were doing what you're called to do, and then that happened, and then that moment in time, they said, "Speak this word, and it'll be done." And there it is. So if we're tuned into that identity, now everybody's on different levels. Like, you know, everybody's on these different levels and no one's going to experience the same exact thing every single time. But it's that, that I think is what gets your juices going is that you have now purpose in salvation. It, it's, it has not, it does have something to do with the from, the sin, the deliverance. It's a huge price that Jesus paid. But but the thing we can focus on, the, the joy in it, the joy in the salvation, is that we now are, are in a place to where we can move forward and, and be who we're supposed to be and do the things we're supposed to do. And I think what you're describing is the life of Nicodemus. Nicodemus's name means victory of the people. And so he's a religious guy. He's steeped in religion. And he find, he has a relationship, finds Jesus, hears about what's going on. In the middle of the night, goes, knocks on the door and says, I need more of what you've got. Right? Did he need more of what Jesus... Was his purpose of going to Jesus to get saved from something? No, his purpose was to go to hear to, to begin a relationship with someone who he saw doing what he felt inside he needed to be doing. And so he wanted to go meet him. Yeah, and it said at the beginning, he went to Jesus. Like, that, that is the word, too. Yeah. It, it's an action word, and it's a direction. Yeah, it says, this man came to Jesus by night. He, he was seeking him. You don't get up in the middle of the night and go to meet somebody unless you have a real purpose and a drive to actually see what's going to happen. So he was going to not be saved from religion. He was going to find out how to be what Jesus was. And Jesus said, listen, you got to be born again. And of course, I, I love Nicodemus's answer when he says, I got to go back into my mom. Is that what you're saying? You know, we I, I believe that sometimes the Lord is giving us those words like I was talking about for Sunday, and we're like, for real? A lady in her hip? Like, for real? Um, and we miss the opportunity. He could have turned around and walked away. We miss the opportunity of saying, I'm going to be obedient to what this is. And so being saved to something equips you to the destiny that God has for you. 
Yeah, I mean, go look back at uh, when Jesus met the disciples. Like, they were all doing different things. But as soon as he came and met them face-to-face, their whole lives changed. They dropped everything. They left their loved ones. They left what they did for work and how they were living their life to follow Jesus and be thrown into this ministry um, where they were activated to go out and do something, to go and share the gospel and bring the gospel and reveal it to people. I mean, at the end of Mark, it talks about that those that believe shall see, shall in my name will see demons cast out, will see people healed, will see, um, I believe it's snake, will be bitten by a snake and the venom will not, you know, kill them, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and that saved to something. Right. That's something that you're saved, and then it's like an action comes out of it. You're moved to do something out of that. Yeah, I'm. Go ahead. Well, Scholar, you said something about uh, the disciples and what they were doing right before, and and perhaps that might be how they found their identity. And uh, I know you might have been. I think we were talking earlier before the show. You were talking to some of your friends, and they were defining themselves. As or possibility of definition of identity is what you do, what you do as an occupation. You know, they're fishermen. You know, they they right. that's that was their identity pre Christ. You know, pre Jesus coming and meeting them and pulling them out. Um, so I, I think that when you go, I don't know exactly what he said, but um, I don't know if this is a good time we can bring that up. But if if there is something in you where you believe on who you are and you're defined by what you do and your job title, I think. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. Absolutely. And um, something that he said was, you know, it's more than what meets the surface. Uh, he talked something about like an iceberg. You can only see the the tip of it, what shows out of the water. But like that's only like, what, 10%? You know, there's so much more below the surface. I mean, you see um, people's um, attitude or actions, but what do you see about their, uh, their values or their morals and beliefs? Like what is it um, – that truly makes up a person is not just what you see. There's so much more to the picture than just what you see on the outside, what they show on everyday life. And called to a purpose and not just to a job, um, not just to a perfunctory function that produces income, but we're called to a destiny that may include that for a season. But ultimately, you know, you go back to what you said in, in Mark 16, you know, he's, he's given the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right there. You know what I mean? It, it's, uh, it's we're saved to accomplish this work right. that he came to the planet to start because we messed up in Genesis. <laughs> and he came back to redeem what was lost. And that was the dominion on the earth. And so if we give back the dominion, then we can go relive the Old Testament and continue to uh, get back get saved by the Lord and go back into the desert and go saved by the Lord and go back in and go through that cycle in life. Or we can stand in what Jesus did in the new Testament. And we can say, we're called to do something. We're called to be someone that is redeemed and called forth. And it says, as, as you were saying, it says he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will not, will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will see them recover. That's what we're called to do. 
It's who we're called to be because that's who he was. Sounds like uh, the basic structure for church today. Sounds like what it should be. Yeah, we should be seeing that. We should be hearing the Holy Spirit every week. We should be uh, not only hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, but actually hearing what the Holy Spirit's saying in the room um, and, and know what we're supposed to be doing. I believe there is a, there is a definite bullseye in talking about church. There's a definite bullseye for every single service to impact someone. Speaking about an individual, there is a divine appointment for you every single day. Every single day, there's a divine appointment for you to do what Mark 16 says. So I think that might be leading us into the next kingdom key, which is every believer must journey to find their identity in Christ. So this is a journey, this is a path, and this is at that point when you're saved, so you're a believer, now there's a journey that begins. That's that's when it begins, and, and that's when you're discovering your identity in Christ. Sure, so like earlier when I said, okay, so now what? I'm saved. Great, I said it, I believe. Now, well, that's kind of like kickoff. I mean, <laughs> yeah. now it's the, the game starts, like you're... Your identity, your your journey, like this kingdom key says, your journey to find your identity in Christ really begins. Right. Because you have no connection. The the most essential part to finding your kingdom destiny is salvation. That's the that's the key. You can't even understand scripture. It it, it messes with you if, if you don't if you're not believing. And uh and going back to the prayer thing, I, I think that we have watered down the gospel so much that the prayer uh, saying that prayer may be mental assent to what the Lord wants to do heart surgery on and uh, not just praying a prayer, but to actually move that 18 inches to your heart and it's and, and allow that to be what changes. And then your mouth reflects what changes in here. And I think that sometimes we've, we've actually brought the, we've simplified the gospel to make it something that we just do and mark it on a card and move on. It's, it doesn't say go make converts. It says go make disciples and disciples are made as you were saying, Skylar disciples are made when you're called to something and your values change. Everything about you changes so that you can accomplish what you've been called to do. And that's what I believe a, a salvation experience is is not just the whole saying the prayer thing, but a heart change. And it says, out of the mouth comes what's believed in the heart. And we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart. It comes out because of what's in there. And then we are tasked to go be who he's changed us into. We look at the disciples from fishermen to, you know, all the different things that they were, and they were changed into what their destiny really was. doesn't mean that they... they it doesn't mean that they weren't fishermen. No, we see that after Jesus ascended, uh, they went back to their trade. Uh, it didn't change their mm-hmm. gift. It changed their destiny. Yeah, and I uh, think we talked about this before in a previous episode, but when you're looking at your identity and when you're uh, discovering this process, uh, this is, you know, you're, you're going to notice things about you that things just started to accidentally happen. When you're changed on the inside, when your heart, you're just like, oh, wait, I, I just stopped thinking about that, or I stopped needing that, or whatever that was keeping us in the wilderness, keeping us going around that mountain uh, over and over again, you it, it becomes something, and it is a process. It's not something that, you know, you, you just 
just work with it. You be with it once you have that identity, and that's when uh, you start realizing, wow, this is this is actually happening, and, and then there, there is actual change going on because that you're able to identify when um, you're tempted to uh, go down that path again. You know, you're tempted uh, to do that. You you recognize it before you wouldn't even recognize it. And you just yep, that's where I'm going to go today, and because I'm stressed and I need this outlet right now, and you're going to just go that way. But when you are getting changed from the inside, and you're discovering who you are in your identity. Okay, so we did the salvation, we got the saved from thing. That's great. We're now saved to. Here we go. We're in the uh, discovery phase now. We're going into identity. That's when that change is happening. That's when it's a, a metamorphosis. That's when it starts changing on the inside, and then it starts reflecting on the outside, when, who your true identity is. And that's what you just said when they go back and, and become do their trade. I mean, you may be a school teacher. You might be a marketing person. You might be a, a machinist. You might be a, a bank teller. You might be something, anything that you are, your identity it, it has nothing to do with that. Your, your identity is what's on the inside and what you're reflecting uh, through uh, your occupation. And sometimes it's hard to get that through our mind so we can receive it in our heart, get it in our mind. And that's why we go back to Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conduct of yourselves, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and then verse 24, and that you put on the new man uh, that is was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. But Verse 23 is how do you do that? And that is the renewing of the spirit of your mind. And so um, that is the, that's the key. Once our journey begins and we now understand that we're going somewhere, we have to begin to renew our mind so that we don't go into the cyclical behavior of sin, whatever it is, uh, that would keep us from understanding our destiny. The, the delay tactics that are put in our path to stop us from seeing our true identity and destiny. Yeah, and I think that's good. And, you know, talking about our, our past and when we become a new man, um, our past doesn't just disappear completely from our mind and stuff. Like, we still have to walk through things, and we still have, like, junk that we were caught up in or different things, and it's just a journey. You know, when we get saved, um, on the inside of us it changes, and we're brought to life but we still got to walk through some of the stuff that we were involved with in some of that stuff. But um, I think that it's so important that as, as a, you know, as you were talking Kyle and saying that, you know, now suddenly things we're more aware of some things and things are brought to our attention that as of before we didn't see, that's because like we now have a spirit of life in us. And now that it's alive, we recognize through the Holy spirit that, Oh, this this doesn't sound right. This doesn't seem like I should be going down this road. Yeah, you're listening to a different voice now. Mm-hmm. You're, you you have the voice of the Holy Spirit that's kind of saying, I don't know, I don't know about that. That That's not healthy for you. Or mm-hmm. that that's not going to, yeah, I don't think that's the path you want to take. I'm go, I'm go, I'll go, and I'll be with you. But I, I just think that if you go down this road, it, it's it, there's there's a lot of pain there. And, and you've experienced it before and, and you don't want to go down there again. So let's, let's stay on track, you know, so you just kind of, you need to be reminded on a regular basis, the renewing of the mind. Yeah. And, and I think it's like, I, I've always pictured an onion. Uh, you can peel back the layer and then there's more layers and more layers. And as we mature in Christ, 
uh, we are new creations in Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians, you know. So, so as being in Christ, we begin to see those things that don't reflect him that actually separate us from him and we pull them off. And the closer we get in a relationship, the less things we hang on to that keep separation. I think that we see that in a natural relationship on earth. The closer you get, the more intimate you get together, the more there's no secrets, the more there's no things that are holding us back. And so you just peel back the onion and peel back the next layer and peel back the next layer. And soon we're so vulnerable with the Lord that he can say anything to us and we will not be offended. He can say anything. He can say, just completely do something different than you've always done. And we're not argumentative with him. We just accept it because we realize that this relationship is worth more than whatever that thing was that we were hanging on to. Well, yeah, that's the maturity because you've brought on the identity and that you can see that in children too, because my kids are young and I tell them to do something. They don't believe me. You know, they just, I don't know why, but they, they believe their way is the right way. And, and that it takes time for them to build that trust or even that build on identity. They don't realize that they're a reflection of me and my wife. They're, they're a reflection of us. And as, our, as they bring that on, you know what I mean? They, they start building that trust with their father and with their mother. And then hopefully the maturity starts kicking in. And, and then they start realizing, well, maybe they, you know, maybe dad has something to say about this. And, and then they start arguing with you. Oh, <laughs> maybe they, they maybe not stop arguing with you, but they certainly uh, take your word a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so, so our goal is that we are closer to him than we are to anyone else. And that, that he's our ideal. He's the one we're aiming for. He's the one that we're longing to be with. And, uh, and man, when we get to that point, we really see uh, what he wants to do with us and through us. And, uh, and some, of the, some of the things just start to dissipate. Yeah, and I think uh, this is a really good segue to go into our uh, third kingdom key of the night, um, which would be we must understand adoption and its significance to our identity in the kingdom. So what is adoption? Like, what does that mean to you? That's my question. What What does adoption mean to you? Well, I mean, I, I look at it in the natural. So I immediately when I think uh, adoption, Josh, you want to look that up and see what yeah, uh, adoption is, this one the actual quick. definition of it. But I mean, I, I would look at it in the natural where, uh, you know, you have a, a parents that would bring in a child that that might not be blood, but it could be blood too. I mean, you know, it, just bring in a child outside and bring them in and be part of their family. So that that's how I see it. But Josh, you may have a, a proper definition. I mean, I just pulled it up here. So it says, um, well, adoption said, you know, the act of adopting. So that was good. That's a <laughs> profound. <laughs> Webster's all about that kind of stuff. But okay, so adopted uh, for a child legally made the son or daughter of someone other than a biological parent. And then the second definition says used or chosen in place of or in preference to an original. See, I think that's a very big point is like in the context of what does adoption mean to us and when God adopts us into his family, that's saying, you know, God adopts us. That means God decided, you know what? I'm choosing them. I'm choosing you. I want you to be a part of my family. 
He's saying, not only do I love you, I want you. You're wanted. So come and be a part of my family and be blessed by it. So what we're saying is, what you're saying is, he chose us not because we have a skill, not because uh, we have right living, not because of our height, our weight, our muscle status. He's not choosing us because of that. He's choosing us because of his love for what we can be and, and who he, he's destined us to be. That's good. I, if you go to Ephesians 1, we can go to verse 5, and it says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The, the point about adoption, you know, we've, we've, what I think we have to understand is, is that this adoption by the Father is about a connection to the Father. And I, we've got lots of families that we're friends with that have adopted, and, and the, the, there's a different connection in that family. And you can see it between the biological children and the adoptive children. And to know that you've been chosen makes a big difference. Um, just another, another aspect of love. Would it elude, uh, would adoption be that uh, we were once orphans? I think that we, we definitely were orphaned. Uh, we were orphaned in the, out of our own, our own choice in Genesis uh, because we, we had everything that we could ever want from our father. Um, we had the dominion over all the earth. Everything was ours. And then we chose to forsake that. And we see that in scripture um, with the prodigal, right, who gave it all up and then comes back and says, uh, you know, I realize I was wrong. Let me be a hireling for you. And the father says, no, 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 no. Go kill the fatted calf. Give me the ring. Give me the rope. Give me it all. And we're going to throw this party for you. And I think that sometimes, uh, even as believers, we, we realize our, our, we begin to realize our identity and then we make some choices. And then we think that maybe that adoption stopped, but an adopt, an adoption is very hard to break by law. You could almost get rid of a biological child easier than an adopted child if that was your plan. And this, this adoptive process that the Lord allows us to go through because he chooses us is such an immense honor and such an immense uh, relationship that we have to even just begin to grasp it as believers. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a great point of, like, he chooses us based off our identity and not what we do. I mean— God looks at us and sees us for who we are and says, you know what, before he's done anything for me, before she's done anything in my name, I want her. I want him. I want to bring them into my family and love them because I see who they are. I don't look at their actions and say, oh, this is what's going to make my decision. He sees them and says, you know what, no, I see beneath the surface i see below the water i see the bottom of that iceberg the deepest parts of them and that's what i created and it's beautiful and i want them in my family you know we just had this wedding uh, this weekend and uh and as i was listening to the vows and i was i was processing all that was going on and i was thinking about you know jesus coming back for his bride and and all of that and i was thinking he chose me as you just described, he chose me. He knew what I'd done. He knew what I would do. And he still said, I choose you because it's not about what we 
have done or what we are going to do, but who we are. I love that. Love it. Well, that, that gives you a lot of hope, doesn't it? I mean, that, that the significance of being chosen unconditionally, you know, uh, is, is huge. And I, I too was at that wedding and there was something said to be like, you, you are bringing them in to the place that I've prepared for you, you know, the bride and the groom. And I think that with this adoption, it's not really adoption to be married, but, but it's the commitment of that love that surrounds that choice uh, is unbreakable. It's the it, love is the power force that keeps it all together. And with adoption at being that choice is, is that's the significance between being in, uh, is the significance to the kingdom and, and how, how love can permeate through any situation. That's, that's a lot of hope for anyone out there listening that uh, no matter where you've gone, what you've done, what you will do, that you have been chosen, you are a son or a daughter of Christ. Yeah. You know, I like how you say that there, there's that hope. But you know what else there is on the other side of that is if you really let that truth seep in, it's stress and anxiety falling off you because when you fully grasp that and understand that, oh, like I'm wanted and I'm chosen because of who I am, not what I do in a society where we see so much is valued on your significance is valued on what you do or what you've accomplished. And, um, it's all about what, uh, your actions and what your performance is. So with that in mind that God doesn't look at us through our performance, he sees us for our identity. It's like, wow, I don't have to stress. I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to let those things weigh me down because at the end of the day, I'm still loved by my father. Yeah, I think a lot of that stress and anxiety comes from trying to, it's the measurables. Like you just said, it's yeah. what can you, you know, do? How much can you accomplish or attain? And when you're not worried about that, as your identity, that's big. Well, you're already accepted. Yeah. So, you, you know, wh- why you work so hard? Why would someone work, strive so hard to, to get, to do all these things for the recognition and the acceptance of, of their peers or say if it's in a workplace? Um, working hard is great. Uh, working hard and striving to do good is, is great. But if, if, that, uh, if the only motivation is uh, the fear of rejection or the need for acceptance, the, the being accepted already and realizing that will only bless the, the, ener- or the efforts that you're putting into your job because you don't have the fear and anxiety of losing that or or somehow falling out of grace you know in that position you know you've had you've been accepted yet that fear and anxiety is gone and now you can apply yourself you can work really hard but like you said and there's almost joy when you're doing it there's almost joy Mm -hmm. when you're having or when you're moving forward with your destiny and doesn't that what you guys just described i'm sitting here thinking about having that encounter makes you want intimacy with that person because you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that can get into that relationship that could make that fall apart. And, and so you desire that intimacy. And so we should be desiring that intimacy with the father who's given us all grace. We can read that in Ephesians one. For those of you who are listening, go to Ephesians one and just, just soak in it. Uh, 
I don't remember how many times it says him, he, himself, all that. It doesn't really reference us because it's not about us. It's about him choosing all of our good, bad, ugly without anything that we do. And through his grace and his rich love toward us, uh, we have redemption through him. And that the desire, just realizing that Ephesians 1 is true, empowers me to want to go so deep with the Father because it doesn't revolve around my performance. And the world is so packed on that. Yeah, and once that truth seeps in and you have that full grasp of God accepts me for who I am, you no longer start comparing yourself to others. And because you're not comparing yourself to others, you're not like, oh, I'm messing up, I'm a failure, or I'm not meeting up to measurements. Well, what is your measurement? It's all performance-based on that point. And when you compare yourself to others, you're always going to find somebody that you can see that is better at something than you are. Sure, and those measures are set by man. Right. So when we measure ourselves to others, all that it brings is stress, depression, anxiety, sadness, because we're never going to measure up to those standards. Well, yeah, and then if you are the person who achieves, you know, the top mark, what do you really achieve, though? Right. You know, I mean, how that is that is not true joy, right, or happiness, because you hit that mark, it's temporary, then you're on to the, well, what's next? And I think that in comparison not to get on this rabbit trail, but in comparison, we're always comparing our average with somebody else's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're always looking at somebody else's excellent. We're saying, wow, I don't live up to that. Um, and it's a, it's a cyclical uh, piece of depravity that humans go through. But I, I, I think that we can understand what, what I want to end on is this point that if you're out there and you have struggled in any of these areas, I want you to go rest in Ephesians 1. I want you to rest in what he's done for you without any expectations. That We're in a series currently on love, and I know we're going to do podcasts on it someday, but um, we're in this series on love. And love, agape, true agape love, is not anything man can conjure up. It's not anything that we can do. We've got our own types of love that we can do, but this one we can't. And agape love is love without any expectation of return. And in this scenario of adoption, he adopts us without any expectation of performance or anything else just to be with him. And man, what a powerful, powerful thing for us. Well, I think that's a, that's a good ending spot for this episode because we're going to transition more with adoption on the next episode. So I guess real quick, just to hit up uh, the three kingdom keys from tonight. So we said, one, we must view salvation as understanding what we are saved to, not just what we are saved from. That was a huge one. Number two, every believer must journey to find their identity in Christ. It's a journey. It doesn't just happen. And then number three, we must understand adoption and its significance to our identity in the kingdom. So we'll be moving on next week. We'll continue the the uh, discussion on adoption. Any last words, guys? It's always fun, guys. All right. Yep. Yep. Okay, awesome. Well, tune in next episode. We'll hit the, uh, oh, real quick, before we go, if you want to reach out to us, you, you uh, can email summitup at thesummitdover.org. And then 
uh, you know, find, find the Summit Dover on Facebook, download the Summit Dover app, connect with us, reach out, uh, let us know how we're doing. I mean, do you like the podcast? I mean, this is any of this stuff resonating with you. We want to, we want to hear from the listeners. All right, well, we will uh, wrap this thing up and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks.